and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Folks, if you had told me years ago that the John Waters film Hairspray would be made into a musical, I might call you crazy. If you had told me that it's going to go on to win the Tony Award for Best Musical, I might start checking out some insane asylums for you. And if you had told me years after that they would make it into a movie and it would go on to become one of the most successful and highly praised movie musicals in recent memory, I would might believe you at that point. Um, but we are doing Hairspray this week, and we are doing it uh, because of you, the listeners. We have basically put out polls uh, saying, which movie musicals do you want us to do? And this was one of the responses that we got. So ask and you shall receive. And, and for future reference, if if you folks have a certain movie musical that you absolutely adore or loathe, for that matter, and you want us to feature it right here on the Movie Musical Shakedown, we will do it. So just tell us what you want, and uh, I will make sure we can find a way to do it. And like I said, if you want me to enjoy myself or for me to suffer through it, that's completely up to you. But I will definitely do my best to to answer all of your requests on this podcast. But uh, really excited to be doing this podcast. I've got a great co-host with me this week, Erin Shaughnessy. Uh, she joined me for episode two of this podcast way back when, when we did the last five years, which was a great, great podcast episode to listen to. So definitely get a chance to check that out if you haven't already. But we're going to break everything down. We're going to be talking about everything from the sets to the choreography to John Travolta to Christopher Walken to Nikki Blonsky, who I am going to probably get a lot of hate for this but did not think was great in this film, but that's just me. But we're going to break it all down. And we're going to do it with style because that's what Hairspray deserves. And like I said, I've got a great co-host with me. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about all things Hairspray right here on the Movie Musical Shakedown. But of course, first, as always, here is the trailer. It was a time of tradition. A time of values. A time... People who are different, their time is coming. To shake things up. Not in Baltimore, it isn't. Hurry up, Penny, we're missing you. Yes, Darla. Holly. Noreen. Doreen. And I'm late. <laughs> so And I'm Motormouth Mayville. Pitching rhythm your way. Dancing on that show is my dream. 
Wanna be one of the nicest kids in town? Cut school tomorrow and come to audition. No one in this house is auditioning for anything. But Mom! Uh, Amber? Save your personal life for the camera, sweetie. Oh, shiny. Go on, get out there and show up. Council member, Miss Tracy Turnblad. First the hair, now this. Tracy certainly has redefined our standards. That's for sure. <laughs> when you follow your own beat. If we get any more white people in here, this is going to be a suburb. The world will follow you. I think no one uses the start of a pretty big adventure. Oh, 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 you can't stop today. You gotta think big to be big. Big ain't the problem in this family, Wilbur. And we're back, and I am now joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Erin Shaughnessy. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. It's so good to have you back on this podcast. I'm so. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we the last time you were on this podcast, we did the last five years, which was an awesome experience to watch that. And now we're doing one of your personal favorites, hairspray, mm-hmm. which I have to, I have to know. So take me to the, the first time you saw this film. What was it about this, this movie that's just, you know, blew up your fandom, so to speak? Uh, well, let's see. 2007 uh, was when the movie came out. I, I think I was like probably like 13, maybe a little bit younger, but I was, just like I saw, I saw this movie four times in theaters. Whoa! Um, and this was my introduction to Hairspray. I had never seen the musical. I didn't see the original movie. I just, you know, I went to see it because it looked like a lot of fun, and uh, it kind of turned into an obsession for me. I like well, um, when I was a kid in musical theater class, my my instructor told me that I sounded a lot like Tracy from Hairspray, and I didn't know what that meant, but. Um, <laughs> Once I actually started listening to the music and stuff, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I have that big belt just like her. And I really like Tracy because of that. But this film has so many different layers because on top it's so fun and bright and, you know, you have that 60s kind of vibe. And then you also have the the dark undertones of, you know, the racism and mm. um, such a hard time with the segregation and everything. It's really, it's really a cool film because it covers both seamlessly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it. I remember when I first saw the 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 actual musical itself. Um, it was one of my favorite um, shows that came out that year. It was it was one of those films that was like, oh my god, this this is this is going to do something. This is actually going to make an impact uh, in a really positive way. And I was so happy that it had had the impact that it did. 
Yeah, I mean, um, part of part of the reason why I, I love this movie so much was I didn't even know, but Zac Efron became my like celebrity crush when I first uh, saw this film, and I hated <laughs> him. I hated him in the first High School Musical. I thought he was the worst. Sorry, Zac Efron, really? if you're listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean it, but um, I I just didn't really like him very much. And then when I saw him in this, and he played Link, I was just gushing. I was like, oh my god, I love this man. And that's a love that has grown over time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but like, you know, the thing with this movie is you, you're catching Zac Efron at a really nice place in his career. I mean, he just really kind of come off of the high school musicals and really started developing his career. I mean, and he hasn't really obviously let go of the musical theater thing just yet, but still mm-hmm. it was nice to see him in a different light, so to speak, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, um, it was different. I, I watched I watched a lot of the Zac Efron movies and his really early ones. Um, and it's fun to see him grow over time and become a more like strong and intelligent actor. And yeah. this was definitely different than Troy Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I think it, it just is further proof of how underrated um, Efron actually is. And, you know, Actually, in addition to him, you had a nice, a, a lot of nice casting choices all over this film. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, had I, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer did fantastic as Velma. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Christopher Walken was a nice choice as well. Um, Queen Latifah is ridiculous in this movie. Oh yeah. I mean, James Marsden. James Marsden. I mean, I mean, even Britney Snow. I mean, you know, pre Pitch Perfect. You know, post. Um, Gosh, I, the American Dreams, Britney Snow, but mm-hmm. um, great, great, great in that role uh, as well as Amber. And what was funny, and I wanted your thoughts on this. I thought the two actual weakest members of the cast, interestingly enough, I thought were Nikki Blonsky as Tracy and John Travolta as Edna. And in my opinion, I mean, this is just me. I would love to hear your take on it, mm-hmm. but they are so glaringly bad. Um, they they really do stick out in this film. What are your thoughts on on those two castings? Well, at least they match each other. Um, That's true. <laughs> I uh, I I you know being so blinded by my love for the film is I kind of like got over it. But Nikki Blonsky was like brand new right on the scene. She just kind of like they cast her for this film, and this was her first big thing. So um, I thought John Travolta was a very strange choice. And yeah. I remember even thinking that uh, when I heard about the casting for the film initially, thought it was very odd. Um, and this is an odd point in John Travolta's career as well. So I think that um, also Amanda Bynes, I thought that, oh yeah. I, you know, when you listen to some of the songs that um, Penny sings, if when that you actually listen to the musical, she has a really, really tremendous range. She has to have a beautiful voice and, Amanda Bynes can't sing. No. So that was that was an odd choice uh, in in my mind as well. But um, yeah, this I, was also a, I think a tough time in in Bynes's career too. I mean, this was mm-hmm. really th- kind of the beginning of the end, so mm-hmm. to speak. I mean, you know, if you look at her career afterwards, um, you kind of start to see the downfall to the point where we got the very infamous breakdown of her. But thankfully, she's doing okay now, which is great. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it just it was not a good spiral, but yeah, this was kind of the beginning of it. And I, yeah, to your point, I think you're hundred percent right. She does seem kind of out of place uh, in this role as well. The thing with Travolta, 
was I thought he didn't, the way that he performed it, I thought he was trying to be a serious, you know, genuine take yeah. on the character without understanding the joke, so to oh, speak. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's where in the problem lies. Exactly. I mean, everything from his mannerisms to him trying to do an authentic Baltimore accent, which mm-hmm. just sounds really weird. I mean, it's it, so I don't, weird. <laughs> and, and I have friends from Baltimore and they've said that that is a terrible uh, interpretation of their accent. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was, an, it was a weird choice from the onset. I mean, I wouldn't, I would have much rather had Harvey Firestein in the movie oh, um, yeah. or someone who mm-hmm. understood that, you know, so to speak. But, you know, I, I guess there's like the, the novelty, nostalgic, you know, aspect Greece. of having Travolta. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have Greece in there, which, funny enough, I mean, Travolta was in Greece one, and Michelle Pfeiffer was in Greece two. So there you go. Well, um, I wonder if Zac Efron's going to be, in, you know, playing a character like Edna Turnblad when he's uh, John Travolta's age. He was in the movie. maybe, <laughs> and you know what? He probably, I think he probably do it better. You know. <laughs> I um, agree. Yeah, I mean it's it's it was an interesting casting choice for Travolta. I mean, he wasn't really at his peak in terms of stardom at this point. I mean, he he'd been kind of like doing this like ups and down, ups and down uh, with his career. But um, yeah, no, just it was a really weird performance. And to be quite honest with you, he was like the one aspect of this movie that I was like, no, just move on. I don't want to see any more scenes with him. <laughs> just you know, keep it moving, um, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Any other general thoughts about this film? Um. I mean, that that pretty much covers it for now. I mean, once we delve deeper into it, then um, I'll have more to say. But Definitely. I think that's a good uh, introduction to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, we know that anytime we're watching a movie musical, sometimes there are scenes that just give us the chills, goosebumps, just get us so riled up and excited um, or emotional that, you know, it, it becomes a memorable part of this this film. And also on the flip side, sometimes there are scenes that are just so cringeworthy bad uh, <laughs> that they, these things happen. So I like to call these chill scenes where basically what scenes in this movie Gave you the chills. Aaron, let me start with you. Any chills for you? Oh, yeah. Um, definitely Queen Latifah's rendition of I Know Where I've Been. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my God. That scene, it just all the color drops out and you just have the black with the candles and, and the light, you know, and mm. her singing. And it it takes, you know, takes it to a different place. You realize the gravity of the situation that these people are in. And she sings that song, and it's so hauntingly beautiful and so well done. It just always, it always gets me. Yeah, no, that's a great moment. And you know, interestingly enough, the the funny thing I found out about that was that when they originally were composing the score, um, they weren't actually going to have a song there. There, it was actually going to be a, a Tracy type of song, uh, not about that subject, but just you know that you would have kind of quote unquote eleven o'clock number. But uh, instead, they wrote this piece, which I think was a much better choice. And, and you're 100% right. I mean, it is a stirring moment, a, a, I think a serious and poignant moment in an otherwise comedic film. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think when we saw Hairspray Live, you know, last year or the year before, um, when, when Jennifer Hudson did it, you still kind of felt that same impact. I mean, that, that music and that, that song is just so, so powerful and the lyrics are incredible. So, um, I'm right there with you uh, when it, when it comes to chill moments for that. Um, any others for you? Uh, I'm, I mean, as far as the film goes, I, you know, I, as far as like, I, that, that's the only really like chill moment 
that were good shows. There are some cringeworthy moments in it. Um, like what? But, uh, well, I mean, when, when Zac Efron says, kiss my ass, that <laughs> line kind of <laughs> was just like, all right, well, that just takes away all of the respect I have for you because that's <laughs> kind of a, a ridiculous line to put in there. And then the, um, you know, welcome to the 60s is, is fun, but John Travolta is taking himself too seriously and it kind of throws everything a little off. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say anything with John Travolta on screen is pretty much a cringeworthy moment for me. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just a weird, it's such a weird performance. It really is. It's, I, I can't get, I can't, it's the one glaring like flaw in this movie is, is John Travolta. You know, I, I always like the opening number. That's another chill moment for me. I don't know what it is. Oh, I, I yeah. I think, I think Good Morning Baltimore is one of the great uh, opening numbers in the past 50 years of musical theater. And, um, it's just anytime I hear it, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the mood for a good show. Plus, also seeing a John Waters cameo as the Flasher is always a welcomed addition as well. Yeah, uh, I I'm, I love John Waters and, and and seeing you know a musical like this still you know having his original humor in it is is really really important as well. So um, yeah, those are kind of the the chill moments for me. You cringe, yeah, the cringeworthy moments. Anything with Travolta. Um, obviously, any of the like the language that's used in this movie, especially the derogatory terms for body shaming and, and racism, mm-hmm. which they're there for a point. I mean, th- there's a reason why they're there uh, because you want to see examples of racism. You want to see examples of body shaming uh, in this movie, but man, it's still tough to hear. It's like, ugh, yeah. you know, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, the fact that we're not laughing at that and saying that's oh, not a big deal, uh, that it's a good thing that those things are, are cringeworthy moments um, hearing that language. Um, all right. Well, moving on folks, we know that these movies sometimes don't answer all of our questions and sometimes mysteries are left unsolved so i call this section lingering questions where we just need to know some answers and just wonder some thoughts about these films so aaron did you have any lingering questions about hairspray yeah i thought about this for a while Mm. and i i really couldn't come up with anything because the more the way that they left it with such a ambiguous ending was a good thing because it was open to interpretation Mm -hmm. and uh, if you narrow in on anybody or, you know, you see what happens to anybody, then it kind of takes the mystery out of it and you, like, don't get that real happy ending that, you know, you have when, when the show ends. Mm-hmm. So you're going to wonder what happens to the studio. You're going to wonder what happens to, you know, Tracy and Link and, you know, Motormouth Maybell and everybody. You're going you're gonna to want to know what happens to them. But I think it's good that we don't. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you don't necessarily have a, a closure of storylines, um, so to speak. You just kind of, you know, assume everything might be okay. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point by you. One lingering question that I had was, is Velma actually a good mother? I, uh, well, that's that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, she's a terrible person. Let's let's be honest. Mm-hmm. She's a terrible human being. Um, but. One thing that I noticed as I'm watching this, I'm like, everything that she's doing is to push her daughter towards stardom. And you could say, a lot of people could say, well, that, you know, she's doing it because, you know, she wants to be the star. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I think she understands that her time is past, so she can live glory through her daughter. But everything that she's doing is, is for her daughter. And she never really mistreats amber at any point during this this musical either i mean it's like the, the, those two never really have a moment where it's like no ma you're 
you're terrible. And you know, that, that stereotypical trope of like when the kid realizes that their parent is a monster, um, they don't, you don't really have that in this movie. And I, the more I kept watching, I was like, Oh my God, is, is Velma actually a, a decent mother? What do you think about that, Aaron? Uh, you know, I never really thought about it before, but <laughs> I think you might be right. Um, Velma, Velma does always look out for Amber, and I think that is her main goal throughout the uh, the whole story. And I think that something I really appreciate about, you know, Hairspray is that when you have to create a character like that, that's so, you know, hateable. And Michelle Pfeiffer definitely made that character hateable. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, you are you. You don't see yourself as a bad guy. You have to, you know, everything you do is for you think you're doing the right thing. And she was definitely working to have her kid be successful. And I think that everything she did was probably for Amber. So I think that's a really good point. Exactly. Keep in mind, going to terrible lengths to do that, all those things. But still, it's like, oh, yeah. man, yeah, it's like, oh, wow. You know, devoted mom. Like, there you go. Um other than that, yeah, not a lot of lingering questions here. I mean, this movie does tend to tie things up pretty well. I mean, a lot of people might have early on questioned why does Link become attracted to Tracy, but it's it's answered in this film uh, pretty pretty quickly. Um, yeah, not not a lot of not a lot of unanswered questions there, um, folks. We know that when it comes to these movie musicals, there are a lot of people that are considered. There's a lot of people that audition, and the casts that we end up with probably weren't the first choices or original ideas uh, when these films were first developed. So I like to do this section called Would This Movie Had Been Better with its second slash alternative choice for some of these roles. Now, I did not tell Aaron who these people were. So I'm actually going to tell you actual actors and actresses that were considered or auditioned for these roles. Uh, and Aaron, you tell me if you think this movie would have been better with those people in it. So the first one... Now, this is actually true. This person auditioned for Motor Mouth Maybell and was denied. Okay? And that person is Aretha mm -hmm. Franklin. So let me oh ask you this. Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> First of all, I mean, I guess kudos to Adam Shankman for saying to Aretha Franklin, no thanks <laughs> to an audition. But oh, my God. Aretha Franklin auditioned. She didn't get the role, went to Queen Latifah instead. So let me ask you this, Aaron. Would this movie have been better with Aretha Franklin? I Well, I think the age might have been a factor. Mm -hmm. uh, because Motormouth Maybell has to have, you know, Seaweed as her son and little Inez as her kid as well. And, right. you know, Aretha Franklin was older than, than Matt would have been at the time. Or she would have been a very late mother. Um and I think that's probably what they were thinking. And I don't, I don't, right. I, I mean, I don't, I, I can't attest to Aretha Franklin's acting abilities. I can attest to her singing abilities. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something in casting. I don't, that's wild though. I had, no <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't think it would have been, I think Queen Latifah, if it was the right choice uh, for that role. And, and I think for not only, you know, I know where I've been, but also big blonde and beautiful and all this. I, I don't think Aretha oh, yeah. would have gone to the, the lengths, so to speak that Queen Latifah did now granted, give me Aretha Franklin 40 years ago, like blues brothers era, Aretha Franklin. Heck yes. I mean, you know, that that's like yeah. her in her prime, but, um, yeah, now it's not so much. And I think your point about the age difference with her kids and things like that, I think that's probably the the, the reason why she didn't get the role. And, and I think the right choice as well. 
So, all right. So for Aaron, for the role of Velma, one, one actress that was considered early on and, and actually was offered the role was Madonna. So would this movie have been huh. better with Madonna instead of Michelle Pfeiffer? No. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, no, I, I love Madonna, but I just, you know, we saw Evita and <laughs> Evita was Evita. So we can we can just leave Madonna out of them. Which we will get to at some point in this podcast, I promise. We will do a Vita someday. But I'm I'm pushing that one as far back as I can. But um yeah, <laughs> I agree. Call, don't call me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe me, I don't think I'll call anybody for that. I think I'll just go by myself. Um but yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is ten times the actress that Madonna is. You know, I think singing wise, sure, maybe Madonna could probably, you know, sound better with some of those songs, but you know, Michelle Pfeiffer is just so good in this in this this role, acting wise, that I can overlook all the other vocal oh, yeah. stuff. You know, so she's yeah, she's just so good at being like, you know, I guess I don't want to say bitchy, but she's mm. <laughs> she just has and, and she has that like sexual nature as well that just you know you can tell that when she was younger she just had guys all over. She still has guys all over her. She is amazing, and I yeah. love Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, the funny thing about Michelle Pfeiffer is that I read that halfway through production, she didn't know that her character was actually racist until halfway through the filming of this film, and then was like, oh my god, oh, oh my god, I'm actually racist. So what's really interesting, going back to my point before, is that when she's playing this role, I think a lot of actors would have kind of settled into that racist trope and, and stereotype mm -hmm. of, you know, things like that. But she's not doing that. And I think that that speaks volumes to her performance and, you know, why it's there's a lot more questions to be asked uh, about her as well. But yeah, I thought that was hilarious that she had no idea that her character was racist until halfway through the film. But yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, a lot, um, of people, a lot of people don't think that they're racist either. There you so, go. So, you know, um, you know, if you look at the character herself, she may not have thought that she was being racist, especially in the time. She's yeah. just, that's a thing to do. And I think that that was a, a really, you know, pivotal thing in, in portraying the character mm. and, and is why it was so successful. I agree with you. And I also think Madonna would have been a distraction. I, I oh, think, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, she's one of those people that I think just attracts a lot of attention when they're in a movie. It's, it's Madonna. And, I felt the same way about A League of Their Own. Like every time she's in a scene, like it's Madonna. Um, so I think, yeah, that that would have been, I think, taken away a lot more of attention in this film than, than it should have. All right, so final one. I, I think you'll like this one, Aaron. Okay, so mm -hmm. for the role of Edna, one of the actors that was heavily considered was Robin Williams. Oh my God. <laughs> I would have so, loved Robin Williams so much. So that oh, answers God. that question. <laughs> yeah, that answers that question. Oh my God. That I mean, when I read that, I was like, man, if only, if only we had gotten that. Oh my, my jaw dropped. It's it like <laughs> physically dropped. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, that movie, I love it so much. But I, I think that my love for it would have been infinitely more. If Robin Williams had been in it, that would have mm. been crazy. Crazy. I mean, I can't even imagine how zany and just, I mean, and he would have gotten the humor in that role too, obviously. I mean, and it would have been so oh, much yeah. more than what Travolta brought to it. And uh, yeah, no, that, I, that, and I think that would have gone, I mean, had he done that movie, 
it would have been a part of his, you know, classic roles that, you know, roster that he, he had. So, uh, man, that would have been good, right? <laughs> Great. Yes. Crazy. crazy, crazy. But yeah, so there you go. So those, so I think we can agree that, you know, these move they, they made the right choices in a couple of these things, but man, what if Robin Williams was in this movie? Crazy. All right, oh folks. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we know that with movie musicals, <laughs> you need to have four main criteria firing on all cylinders for it to truly be a spectacular movie musical. And that, of course, is the singing, the dancing, the acting, and designing, because, hey, these movies need to look good as well. So what I like to do is go down the list and start, basically do it one at a time and, and rate how we felt the singing and the dancing, the acting, the design were one through 10, one being the worst and 10, of course, being the best. Aaron, let me start with you. How did you feel about the singing in this movie, one to 10? Uh, I think I'd probably have to give it around a seven or seven and a half. Um, because so much of the singing in the film was excellent, but then, you know, they, they traded talent for big names mm. with, you know, with Amanda Bynes that bugged me. Um, and then you have John Travolta. I mean, John Travolta can sing pretty well, but it just was an, an odd feeling whenever you heard him sing. Wrong voice. So, wrong, voice. wrong voice for it. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm at with that. I agree. I, I gave it, I gave it about a seven, uh, on that as well, because. Because you you did have great singers in this this movie, obviously, but you know I, I love Christopher Walken to death, but he's not a singer, so that that was that. John Travolta, wrong voice entirely for the character. Um, same thing, you know. Every all your points agreed, but it's just one of those things where it's a shame because you got great singers. And and first of all, other than this movie, and then obviously the Disney film Enchanted, I had really no idea that James Marsden could sing that well. And um, mm -hmm. you know he's fantastic in this movie, so. You know, it's a shame that, you know, a couple of these names bring down that average, so to speak. Yeah. So, all right. So for dancing, Aaron, how did you feel about the dancing? I I really like the dancing. So I, I think I'll probably give the dancing about a nine because it was it was accurate to the time period and it was pretty well executed. You know, they cast really good dancers for it. And the people who were dancing in the film could keep up with... Um, you know, like the big name actors could keep up with the dances that were required. Brittany Snow and Zac Efron, for example, were, were excellent at continuing that. And I'm sure Zac Efron had a lot of training through High School Musical with that. But I really, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, me too. I gave it a nine as well. I mean, it's one of those, this is Adam Shankman who directed the film. He also choreographed it. I mean, this is his wheelhouse. I mean... Yeah. He does really great work when it comes to lively, upbeat, uh, ensemble dance numbers um and this is this mm -hmm. is right in his wheelhouse this is him at his height of all of his powers and there are truly some i i would never call it spectacular because there's, there's not a lot of you know it's not like uh, you know singing in the rain numbers where you're just like you're blown away but they're right. good they're high energy it's you know everything from when it's all that to um the new girl in town number with just a trio that's dancing there. I mean, there are just some oh, really tight choreography yeah. um, left or right. So yeah, I gave it a nine as well. Not a lot, not a lot of places to pick, uh, you know, pick some nits, so to speak. Um, all right. Acting. How'd you feel, feel about the acting in this movie, Aaron? Um, again, with the singing, you know, the, the number went down to um, around seven, seven and a half because of the, the the couple of uh, actors that took, you know, and took the took the number down because they didn't really do as good of a job um, as everybody else. You know, not that they didn't do a great job. It's just 
that they weren't, they didn't do what was needed for the roles. And I think that that, you know, the number suffers because of a couple of other, a couple of people that were in big roles that shouldn't have been. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think I gave it, you know, it's funny. You and I are in the same, same wavelength tonight. I gave it a seven as well. You know, I, I think there are outstanding actors here and I think that the material probably doesn't give them a lot where they could really kind of mm-hmm. go, with, you know, as far as they wanted to with some of these roles. I will, I mean, I, I still don't think Nikki Blonsky was the right choice for this role, but that's just me. Um, and, you know, Travolta's out of place. Uh, you know, and, and I think also the, the, in terms of the supporting members of the cast, I mean, nothing against Elijah Kelly, who plays Seaweed and um, others. But yeah, it's just not, there's not a lot of, when you want nuance, when you want depth, when you want thing, you know, to show different range. Um, it's just you're, not there. Yeah. Yeah. You're hoping for a little bit more from some of these people. So yeah, I, I think a seven is, is fine. I think that's, you know, I don't think we're, you know, burning bridges or anything like that by giving it a seven. Um, how about design? How'd you think about the movie look in terms of its look from costuming, set design, everything? I loved it. Um, I, I mean, I, it, it fit the sixties. It fit the same way that, you know, it's not, it feels like it's not a real place. Doesn't feel like it's really Baltimore, but it feels like a fantasy version of Baltimore, which I think fits along with the whole musical vibe. And the costumes were colorful and they were accurate to the time period. And the cinematography was pretty good. I I think I'll give them about um, a nine. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of right around there. I gave it an eight um, and just in terms of mm-hmm. just its overall quality, but yeah, I think it fit the time. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you. It, it, I think it was, everything was nicely period. The colors were great. The sh- I think the way they shot the film is, is fantastic looking. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, folks, we know that, um, you know, with all these these movie musicals that are based on stage shows, sometimes not every single song makes the final cut, and some things get skipped and and changed and whatnot. Um, so, and obviously, sometimes they include too much, and we're to the point where we're like, man, eh, probably could have done without that song. Um, so, mm-hmm. I like to do this section called numbers that we needed and numbers that we could do without. Basically, numbers that we wish were in the show that weren't, or the movie that wish they weren't, uh, and which numbers that hey, you know what, you probably could have cut that one. So, Aaron. Let me start with you. What would be your choice for a number that we needed? Now, granted, there weren't a lot of them. They did include about 90% of the score, but there were a couple songs that weren't in the actual film itself. But uh, what were your picks? Well, I mean, I like that they included all the the songs they cut uh, on the album. So hmm. uh, that was that was nice. But I wish that they had done It Takes Two because... Hmm. I mean, I love Zac Efron so much in this film. <laughs> and I felt so deprived as a kid that they didn't include that. And, you know, watching watching the musical, it's really fun to watch Tracy fawn all over this guy. I think it might have been too much maybe for in a cinema, like, movie kind of scope. But it really would have been fun. Um, but I, al- I also think that we definitely should have had Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now in there. Yeah, that was my shows, pick. Yeah, it shows, it shows, like, the, uh, I guess the issue of growing up with a teenager or being a teenager and having mm-hmm. your mom telling you what to do and you want to be an adult, but you're not really an adult yet. So yeah, I thought no, that, I that was something that they could have definitely included. Yeah. I, I, and to, to be quite honest with you, I don't know why they didn't include it either. I mean, they actually recorded the song. If you, it's in the end credits of the movie. I mean, it's the first song you mm-hmm. hear. And um, it just was really weird that they didn't put that in the final cut of the movie because it definitely, there were, 
scenes where it would fit to do something like that. But um, and I do like the mm-hmm. fact that you got to hear the end of It Takes Two uh, in the movie. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. I would have I would have liked to see that whole song um, as well. How about numbers that you could do without? Any any ones that you're like, yeah, probably don't need. No- I wish they'd probably cut that. Um, I guess this was hard for me because I think that all the songs that they kept were pretty necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the, the it's hairspray number with that, uh, James Marsden sings wasn't entirely necessary, but I like to hear James Marsden sing because he's so talented and so underrated. You don't mm-hmm. even know how talented he is. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of up drawing a blank for that one that's fine yeah you don't yeah as i say you absolutely can draw a blank you absolutely don't have to have pick uh, for me it's just your timeless to me is probably the one song i'd probably be cut because i don't, <laughs> don't want to hear that much of john travolta sing um and with christopher walking the boot so well um, i think uh if if the casting had been different it would have been a really really fun hey, number if robin so with, i would have watched the heck out of robin williams heck yes yeah. <laughs> so there you go there you go um all right aaron you've got five minutes to watch this movie what number are you going to fast forward to uh <laughs> i was i was torn between three different numbers for this one tough choice but, right um yeah i mean because you know i love zach efron and i'd have to listen to lady's choice but um my favorite, I think my favorite number in the show um, is I Can Hear the Bells. Mm. Um, I, just in the show in general, um, because when it's done well, it's really, really funny. And I can t- definitely relate to that. Um, <laughs> I just, I re- also really enjoyed Without Love. I just really enjoy that number. Mm. So. Those are two good picks. I- I'm probably going to go with either The Nicest Kids in Town or... Um, you can't stop the beat just because I love higher energy dancing. Oh yeah, you know it's just like I just mm-hmm. and and I really like the choreography in Nicest Kids in Town. Um, and then obviously the end song too is is pretty awesome as well. So those are those are my two picks. Um, all right, so folks, moving on. This is going really well tonight. We're we're flowing. Um, <laughs> we like to give some awards out in this podcast, and these are really esteemed, prestigious awards. Uh, the First is called the Barbara Award, which, of course, goes to who we feel is the best singer in the movie, named after, of course, Barbara Streisand. The second award is not so great. It's the Russell Crowe Award, who goes to the person that we feel is the worst or least great singer in this movie as well, uh, named after Russell Crowe for his legendary performance in Les Miserables. And then the final award is the Bumlin Award. And this, of course, goes to the ensemble background um, extra that we feel kind of steals the show, so to speak. Someone that we're thinking about later on. Uh, and is named after the character of Bumlet from Newsies, who was played by a gentleman by the name of Dominic Lucero, who sadly passed away. But yet, if you watch Newsies and you watch the number of King of New York, he's the guy spinning on the fan at the end, and you just can't take your eyes off him for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie. So uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to name that award after him. Um, so, Aaron, let me start with you. Who's going to get your... Uh, shit, I can't even talk. You're my Barbara Award for this movie. The Barbara Award. Um, uh, this one I had a difficult time with as well. I, I guess I singing and vocally wise, I guess I'd have to go with Queen Latifah, but I want to give it to Zach Efron because he's the reason that I've watched the movie so many times. So I'm going to give it to Zach. I love you, Zach. <laughs> and he's listening. <laughs> so here you go. Um, I'm free for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to go with your first pick there, was, which was Queen Latifah. I think she's just next level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is actually oh, a couple yeah. of years, you know, this is years after Chicago and, and proving that she obviously still has the pipes and whatnot. But, yeah, I absolutely love her in this movie. Um, Russell Crowe Award for you, Aaron. Who was um, I had this picked out like a long time ago when you told me that we were going to do this podcast, <laughs> just because it bothers me so much. Amanda Bynes' a lack of ability to sing bugs me so much. <laughs> and she only sings I, like three just, lines in this entire movie, right? I mean, I know, I know. Got Maybe that one that's section why they and you've got the girl out. You know what? That could be it. <laughs> and I have to go back and listen to the I album version that, of that yeah. song again. Yeah. That could, yeah. that could definitely be it. Um, I don't know yeah, if she you know, even sings it on the album. I'd have to check. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> wow. Huh. Um, I I agree. I, I I think she's right out there. I mean, I I interestingly enough gave it to Christopher Walken because he's just not a singer, and that's just what happens. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you you kind of talked me into Amanda Bynes uh, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Especially just just her little bit during. Um, you know, you can't stop the beat and without without love, love and yeah, yes, yeah, rough, rough. Begin beginning of the end there, <laughs> beginning <laughs> mm -hmm. of the end. All right, so I always like to ask this question at the end, Aaron. Should this movie get a remake someday? Are we gonna do the Bumlet Award? Oh my gosh, I skipped over the Bumlet Award. I completely forgot. Aaron, who gets your Bumlet Award? Uh, Taylor Parks is Little Inez. Yeah, because her solo in Run and Tell That gave me chills, and she was incredible. I'm always blown away by her, but I also love the Dynamites. The Dynamites are amazing too. The, that was my pick, the Dynamites, mm -hmm. um, because they're just awesome. So freaking they sassy, are. and oh, I love it. And their and the choreography in that number is just off the hook. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh my love god, them. yeah. And actually, it's funny you bring up Taylor Parks. I'm trying to think, what has she done? since this um I, I have no idea i'm trying to think because she i agree she was really good um oh you know she's done some stuff okay she she was like in victorious and um true jackson vp i don't know what that is but she's done some tv and stuff she's in a bunch of hmm. ariana grande stuff i don't know if she's friends with ariana grande hmm. anyway <laughs> but yeah you're right she's so good that i'm like you know what why don't we see more of her? But apparently she's she's still out there. She's still yeah. doing stuff. So there you go. And so your your pick there, great pick. My pick, the Dynamites, great pick. So yeah, those are our Bumbler Awards, folks. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the question, I completely skipped over. <laughs> um, Aaron, should this get a remake? Uh, no. Uh, no. We already we already had the hairspray live, and that was more than anyone asked for. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that we're just going to leave it at that. I, I don't want to see another Hairspray. Uh, I, I'd like to see it on stage again, but I don't want to see another movie made of it. Me neither. I, I think we're good. I think we had the original film. We had this one. We have got the Hairspray live. I, I think we're good. Yeah, this is, I think you captured we're, a nice. Yeah, we're Hairsprayed out. We're Hairsprayed out. <laughs> we captured a good moment. It's it's fine. We're done. Um, yeah, moving on. I think that's that's yeah. a good thing. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it had its flaws, but it also had, you know, a lot of really fun moments that made it kind of stand out against a lot of other movie musicals that, you know, you know, it's not the best one, but it's certainly a fun time and it's great to watch, you know, and it's, it's also important. Like the message is timeless and important. 
So definitely, especially today, especially today. So yeah, more yeah. more people need to watch hairspray. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Aaron, of course, this is always a pleasure doing these podcasts with you. Um, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media if they wanted to follow you? Okay, well, I am on Facebook. You can follow my page on Facebook. I uh, am. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron Nessie, like the Loch Ness monster Nessie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram with Aaron underscore Shaughnessy. Uh, I'm going to be having a couple of projects coming up soon. Nothing I can say yet. Um, that's for sure. But uh, yeah. Nice this, mystery. Yeah. I hope to be back here too. Yeah. Well, I would, I mean, obviously I would love to do more of these with you. So if there's ever, if there's a movie that you are obsessed with, either good or bad, um, it's yours. Just let me know what it is. We'll schedule it and, and we'll do, we'll do them. They're, they're your episodes. Um, so to speak. So always happy to have on, the, on this podcast. Cause again, I think you give some really good insight. Uh, and of course you're Zach Efron fandom. You know what? This brings up a good point. <laughs> Maybe you're my co-host when I do all three high school musicals. I'm just gonna throw that out uh, there. Please, please, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I vent, and it, it, wait a second. Didn't you also say to me that you're a really good, big fan of, of Darren Chris and who was the other, the third person? It was Darren Chris and Taryn Edgerton. Darren, Taryn Edgerton. When we eventually do his Elton John biopic on this podcast, and then also Rocket Man, Rocket Man, which I cannot wait to see. Mm-hmm. And then I think we have to do Sing at some point for because we're doing animated musicals now. So Sing will definitely be on there. Um, I will have you on. Those. And of course, anything that Darren Chris does too. Please. <laughs> there you go. Um, you've you've stocked yeah. it all. <laughs> I Great, love it. Be, that's amazing. I love <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe they'll hear it someday. <laughs> Who knows? You never know how far reaching these things will go. Folks, thank you so yeah, much for joining. Me. I was going to say, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> and of course, you folks can always find these podcasts available at Onstage Blog uh, under the Onstage Blog Network. These are also available on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. So however you decide to wow. listen to your podcast. I know Empire has grown. These are available amazing. to the masses crazy how how many it. people are listening to this right now including zach efron so there you go wow <laughs> hi zach efron i love you <laughs> i love it <laughs> um and of course with a movie, movie musical shakedown we are doing this every single week we've got a brand new episode coming out next week i don't know exactly which movie it's going to be just yet i've got a couple candidates um so it'll be a surprise so to speak but we also have a bunch of other podcasts um on that network right now including the nobody's in new york podcast by the brothers stew which is absolutely hilarious if you love theater if you love food if you love culture about new york definitely check the podcast out and of course we've got a bunch of new podcasts that are coming out and aaron one that i want to tell you about is called musical meanies which is all about hmm. breaking down a musical theater villain every single week wow i like that Right, kind of That's talking, really cool. talking about different villains, how we perceive them. Are they really that bad? I mean, just asking the question tonight about Velma was like, you know, is she actually a good mother? That's actually a pretty good topic for a podcast later on. So I'm gonna, you know, document that and check that one off for oh, a yes. future episode. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And I definitely will probably have to have you on for one of those episodes as well. Oh, yeah, I'm up for it. I love this. This is such a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, we will see you right back here next week on the Movie Musical Shakedown. But Aaron, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you again. Oh, thank you so much. It was a blast. I love talking about Hairspray and gushing about Zac Efron with you. There it is. There <laughs> it is. All right, folks. Have a great week. 
sir. How about a shadow? And in the end, should someone die? 